Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. Last Wednesday, um, we, uh, we kind of got on a series, uh, Weapons of Our Warfare, and yes, it's, it's one that I have done before, but I believe that uh, at least once a year, uh, we need to, to go over things about um, uh, our authority that we have in Christ, and of course, our message Sunday um, was, was, had a lot, lot to do with that, so if you missed that, it was a good one, you can go back and listen to that. Um, but uh, last week, we uh, started it off, and, or I guess the week before that, because we had Harvest Fest um, that last week, so it's, it's been two weeks. Uh, weeks get, get by you when you're having fun, right? And, uh, but uh, anyway, it was called, um, you know, the, the War on the Home Front, and, and uh, just as a recap on that, uh, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verses 4 through 6, if you want to turn over there, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. And this is really our, our central scripture. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Our one scripture says, not of this world. They're not carnal, but they are mighty. And I think that's a, that's a big key, because sometimes, um, because we are natural beings, but we're also spiritual, a lot of times when you're a natural being, you look for a natural, um, a natural cure. You, you look for a natural weapon. But right here, Paul tells the, the church at Corinth, he says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So that's, that's not how we fight. We don't fight in a carnal way. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. And this is what it's for, for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And I want to read the Amplified. The Amplified says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. They're not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. So the thing that we're looking at that is is what Paul is saying, one one of our biggest issues is, is strongholds. And if you look up that word stronghold in the concordance, uh, this is the, the biblical definition of a stronghold. It is, an, it is arguments and reasonings uh, as, as according to how they use it here, okay? So uh, naturally a stronghold, um, you know, if you're, if you're fighting or whatever and you're in a wartime, a stronghold would be uh, kind of like um, on the beaches of Normandy where the, the Germans were up on the cliffs and we were coming in on the beaches. They were in a stronghold. They had the better position. And so that's a, that's a natural stronghold. But right here, the word that got translated stronghold was a, a Greek word that this is the definition for. It's arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. Arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. If you want to get a really good definition of what strongholds are, just turn on a political news station. Everybody has got their strongholds, and they are fortified, and they are, they are using every argument and every reason uh, to dispute that they're right, 
Okay, so that's what Paul is talking about. It's that belief, those beliefs on the inside of you that you are fortifying, that you are protecting, and we'll get, it, get more into that. But if you go into the vines, which the vines just kind of takes it a little step further, kind of breaks some things down. So that word stronghold in the vines in, in this scripture here, um, this is what it says. It says, of those things in which mere human confidence is imposed. So uh, when, it, when it talks about a stronghold, it says things, thoughts, ideas, arguments, in which mere human confidence is imposed. I'm gonna break it down a little bit further. So if we go and we, we look at human confidence, human confidence is a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. So human confidence, a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities our qualities, or we could say full of yourself. <laughs> that's, that's my translation, all right? But then I, I wanna bring, because it says right here in the vines, it says, of those things in which mere human confidence is imposed, so let's look at the word imposed. To impose means to take advantage by demanding their attention or commitment. So if we take all those things, breaking that whole series of scriptures down and all those words there, a stronghold here in 2 Corinthians 10 is a thought that we have confidence in that demands our commitment to keeping it as a part of our thought process. We protect it and hold it in a place that no one, and here's the kicker, especially the word of God can disturb it. Those are those things that when the word of God touches it, you go, mm, I don't like that because that means that something that I really truly feel is being attacked by actual truth. And I think more than ever these days, people have been sold a bill of goods, especially, uh, I've seen it a lot in Christians, that, that you, need to, you need to have your own truth, right? And, and years ago, I remember when I was first in the church, and I, I remember it didn't, it didn't sit well with me then, uh, but there was kind of this thing that was kind of going along that, um, you know, where, where people were justifying things they were doing because they would say, I don't feel convicted by it. So if I don't feel convicted by it, then that means that, that God's probably okay with me doing it. But the problem with that is, is that if you're doing something that you're, ha this, is, this is how I always, I guess, the litmus test of something that I'm justifying is the fact that I'm justifying it. <laughs> you don't have to justify the truth. It's the truth, right? But if you ever catch yourself reasoning with yourself, trying to justify and it's probably a good indication that that's a stronghold in your life. And the word of God is trying to get you to, to, to break down those walls so that he can help get that out of your life so that you can uh, go on living a, a better quality of life and, and be uh, really in a more uh, powerful place uh, in, 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 in your life. And so, so a stronghold here is a, a thought that we have confidence in that demands our commitment to keeping it as a part of our thought processes. We protect it and hold it in a place that no one, especially the word of God, can disturb. And something that would, I guess you could kind of just to, um, you know, just to bring something uh, that everybody would understand, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but uh, people that really get freaked out when you break a mirror. That, that, that's, there's no truth in that. Or, or someone gets freaked out when you open an umbrella in a house, right? 
or, or something like that. Like, I, I literally have known people that, like, I think they were, like, a little bit freaked out by that, you know? And that's, that's just kind of, that's, that's funny in one way because I think, well, really, that's kind of silly. But, but there are things in our life that we really do believe, and when the Word of God tries to touch it, I think the first thing we do is we just kind of ignore it and we say, ah, well, I've proven in, my, in my, myself, I have some self-confidence in the fact that, uh, that maybe that Scripture's for someone else, but I've got this part of my life handled. Um, that's a stronghold in your life that you are, you're, you're protecting from the Word of God. So when we protect our opinions and thoughts from the truth, I'm not saying protecting your opinions and thoughts uh, from other people that have their own opinions and thoughts, but when you're protecting your opinions and your thoughts from the truth of the Word of God, it creates disobedience. That's exactly what it creates. It creates disobedience in our life that leads to our overall direction being dictated uh, by our fortified and protected opinions and feelings instead of the truth of the Word of God. Um, so, so the last time we met, this is what we were talking about. This is where we've got to wage war first. This is the war on the home front. That's in your thought life, what you think. And, and it's always been funny to me because a lot of times people tell off themselves, not that I'm judging people because I say the same thing, but you can preach on something uh, that's, that's pretty, I guess, hard-nosed like this where you really begin to attack these flippant things that we say out of our mouth that really we do believe it, uh, but we, we, we try to talk around those things. Um, and and there's, there's times where I've preached on something, whether it be healing or, or something like that, and then I've, I've, I've seen someone nod their head like, yes, amen, and then you, then you catch them saying something that's, that's directly um, you know, uh, against what the Word of God just said. And, and they don't, I don't even think they caught what they said. And uh, I had a story years ago. Uh, someone called me to come pray for them about um, something that was going on in their life. And um, it, was a, it was a man, and older man and older lady. And um, so I, and I, they weren't a part of our church. Um, I just was asked to go over there and, and pray with them. So I did. And, you know, I went in there and I really was like, hey, I can pray for you for healing. Just kind of like what I just prayed for everybody else. I was like, but you know, there, there are things in the word of God that, that say uh, that we, if, if, if we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, then we can ask what we want and it shall be done for us. And I, I began to teach them more about faith and confession and confessing what the word of God says in, in, in spite of what they're experiencing at that time. So basically, instead of going, uh, well, I hope one day I'll be healed, um, you know, that's not really uh, being in faith. That's, that's hope. And hope and faith are two different things. If they weren't two different things, then the Bible would just pick one or the other. Uh, but it actually says that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is a substance, and hope is what you have to have before you can have faith. Because if you never had hope, then there's nothing to, um, to act on. And so, so faith is an action, and, and, and the Bible says that, that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I was trying to get them to see that, that we're going to pray. And we're going to thank God that what his word says about, about healing, and then we're going to confess that, that we're healed in Jesus' name of this certain thing that was going on. And I probably took a good 45 minutes to explain this, and yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, okay, so because it takes agreement, because, uh, I mean, I can't just want this for you. you got to agree to the word of God, not to agree to what I'm saying, but you've seen it in the word of God. Okay, yeah, sure. So we prayed, and man, I felt like we did a good job. We prayed. And we were talking, and I'm not even two minutes later, just after we're talking, he, this guy goes, he goes, yeah, I just, you know, I just hope, uh, I just hope one day when I get healed that I, it might, you know, I might be able to get out and do a few more things. And I looked at his wife, and she looked at me, I said, I said, 
I said, no, I said, you've got to continue to say that you are healed in spite of what you're experiencing or that you're seeing. I was like, and people may look at you and go, you're crazy, but it doesn't matter because this is how the word of God says. You know, so this is faith and faith is substance of things hoped for. And so you can't go around maybe someday, one day, hopefully when God sees fit. No, God sees fit, he, he, he healed you. So let, let's, let's go over it again. So another maybe 30 minutes of, and okay, yeah, I got it. So I prayed again and thought we had it all, I mean, literally in like two minutes later, he, sa- he said it again. I mean, just like, like it had not taken effect. And by that time, I just remember his sweet little wife, she looks at me and she goes, are you stupid or something? And I was like, well, she said it, I didn't have to. And he's like, well, why, why are you getting on to me? It's like, are you not listening to anything that he's saying? Like, we're not gonna say one day, we're gonna say you are right now. And we're gonna start walking in it right now. And she just, she just preached it right back to him. I was like, all right, are you ready to do this again? So I prayed for him again. I was like, I'm gonna get out of here before you, you say something else. <laughs> but what was that? It, it wasn't that he was, it, it, it's just, that's our human mind kicking in and saying that I'm not gonna believe it until I see it. Well, that's an oxymoron because if you see it, you don't have to believe it. There is no I'll believe it when I see it because you don't have to believe it if you can see it. If you said, uh, Tammy's coming to church and I said, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't have to say that. She's right there, right? And so that's the same thing that we do when we, when, when we, when we stay in a place of hope and don't move into a place of faith. And that can be a stronghold that the word of God is trying to root out of us. But many times because of, of, of life experience, because listen, life experience can talk to you louder than the word of God. Why? Because you experienced it. You experienced real pain. You experienced real lack. You experienced real loss. You experienced uh, real situations, real offense. You experienced real anger. You experienced real sadness. You experienced real betrayal. So those things are real, and, and, and we experience those, and we carry those feelings, and we carry those hurts with us. And we also begin to carry doubts on the inside of us that if, if God is really who he says he is and he really does love me, why did I have to go through that? I did believe that, but now my life experience tells me that maybe, maybe sometimes God just has reasons why he doesn't do what he says he does in the word of God. That's a stronghold being built on the inside of you to get you to back off what the word of God says. You say, well, why do we experience those things if I did believe them? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, but it doesn't mean we stop believing the word of God and it doesn't mean we stop operating the way the word of God says because of our circumstance and because of our uh, experiences in life. Because then we're believing more in what we have experienced and we're believing more on our opinion on the matter because of, of what happened to us than we are on the word of God. That's the whole essence of faith is that I am going to believe more in my God and what he said than what I am experiencing right now. Go back to Job. I mean, Job had, had a rough time. And, I, and, and you could go through there and you could, you could pick Job apart on, on things he did wrong and all that stuff. But the, but the main thing is, is, is that the devil got into his life and, and tried to destroy him because he wanted Job to curse God. He even spoke through his wife and, and his wife said, Job, you need, to, you need to curse God and die. I mean, he didn't even have any encouragement from his wife. There's some days if I didn't have encouragement from my wife, I, I, I'm, I might go the, the other direction. Why? Because we all experience things in life that are no fun. 
But that's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to get you in a place where you curse God and die, and Job wouldn't do it. And so in our life, we've got to understand and realize that we're, we're not exempt from the, from, from the real world invading our life and doing things, but it doesn't mean that we go back and we begin to reason out and we begin to form our own opinions and we begin to form our own thoughts as to why God didn't or why God did or why this didn't work for me or why it worked for them and not us. No, that's, we need to stay out of those realms and just stay in a place where we go, you know what, I don't know. This happened and it was a real thing that happened, but I'm gonna stay with the truth. I don't have any other option. I'm gonna stay with the truth of the word of God and I'm gonna say it in the face of anything and everything that comes through. Amen? So that's the fight on the home front. It's in our mind. Uh, but part two tonight, we're gonna talk about the fact that we, we, we are, we do have a, an adversary, but he is a defeated foe. And I think a lot of it um, we, we brought out Sunday morning uh, with our message, um, but we're gonna kind of dig a little deeper in that. So we do have an adversary. First Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom you may devour. And so that, that Greek word adversary there that got translated in English to adversary uh, means what you would think to a degree, uh, but really the word has a little bit of twist on it because a lot of times when I think about adversary, I, I, I think about um, you know, more of a, a physical battle, a physical war, uh, so to speak. Um, but really this word here, it, it, it meant an opponent in a lawsuit. So it's an opponent in a lawsuit and then it says, especially Satan as the uh, arch enemy. So uh, when we think about our adversary, we need to think less of you know, something we're physically fighting uh, with you know, weapons and th things like that and think more um, in, the, in the ramification of, of we're in a courtroom uh, because the Bible says that, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses them both day and night but we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. So basically, if you look at it this way, Satan, his, his number one place right now for humanity is being the, the, the prosecuting attorney and, and the great um, law room of, of heaven. He is the prosecuting attorney and he's accusing you all the time. Every little thing you do, because he knows the word of God, he knows the truth of the word of God, and he's reminding God of how unfaithful you are. He's reminding God of, of, of every lie that you tell, every bad um, motivation that you have to do things, every time you walk out of love, every time you do anything against his, against his word, he is reminding God of how horrible of a person that you are and how uh, lacking you are of, of, of measuring up to the righteousness of God. That's what his job is. And God's, or Jesus' job is to be there as your defense attorney. He's to be there as your advocate. And he's going, um, I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. They, they don't owe a sentence because I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. But it doesn't mean that he's not an adversary. But in this case, what it's talking about in adversary, it's an adversary like, like in a lawsuit. And so if you think about it in a lawsuit, um, a lot of lawyers' jobs is to find loopholes and things where they can make you out to be the absolute worst that you can be and, and, and so, that, so that the most maximum punishment can happen and they just wanna win. 
And so in this case, Satan definitely wants to win. He knows he's not going to win uh, um, you know, a war against heaven, but he's hoping he can win a war against you. He's hoping that he can talk you into some things. He's hoping that uh, he can convince you uh, uh, that, that you are nothing. He's hoping that he can convince you that, that even Jesus can't uh, help you and, and that you've, you've gone too far and you've done too much and he's, he's, he's waging a war in your mind with thoughts. It's not a war of flesh and blood. It's a war of words. It's a war, war of accusations, of thoughts, of ideas, of suggestions, of blame and guilt, manipulation, and, and really... It's a war of twisted half-truths. I mean, if you think about even the way Satan approached Jesus, the Son of God, when, it's, when the Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted of Satan, think about this. He, he's tempting the Son of God, and he's twisting things. He's actually using the Word of God to tempt the Son of God to sin. I mean, this is, he's not changed. His MO is the same, and, and it's exactly what he does to you. You're no different than anybody else. He wants to make you feel singled out. He wants to make you feel inferior. He wants to make you feel like there's nobody else that deals with these thoughts but you, and you have to understand that that is him at work and that the weapons of our warfare are not natural, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of those strongholds. What are those? Those are thoughts that he gave you that now you've put up in a place where you protect it from the word of God, and we have got to allow the truth of the word of God to, to, to help us to cast those things down. They're arguments that are against the word of God, and we have the ability with the Holy Spirit and the word of God on the inside of us to tear those down in our lives so that we don't let those control us anymore. Amen? So the most damage is done to you when you're distracted and you're weak in your spirit and in your mind. That's, that's when he attacks. He attacks a lot of times when you're, when you're sick. He attacks a lot of times when you're stressed. Um, or, or a lot of times I see people get attacked when they're knowingly in sin. And I think there's a reference in the Bible of, of someone who was being attacked and, and they actually asked Jesus, um, who sinned, his mother or his father? And Jesus is like, nobody sinned. This is, this is why this is happening. Uh, but I have seen where uh, people are knowingly in sin and then they really get attacked in their mind. They really begin to get paranoid. They really begin to, to, to have a, a lot of these um, you know, issues with their thought life uh, and, and different things like that. And so he attacks when there. He, he rarely ever attacks when you're prayed up and in close communion with the Lord. I'm not saying he couldn't, but what I am saying is if he does, you're, you're, you're in a better place to fight. You're a stronger. But a lot of times he waits until you're, you're down. When you, he waits until you're, uh, you're weak. That's why it says he, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's why it says stay sober and stay vigilant. Why? Because he's waiting on you to, to, to drop back in the herd. He's waiting on you uh, to, um, to be in a place where you, you really haven't spent time with God, you really haven't spent time with the Word, and you're not strong. He's, he's, he's waiting on a weak opponent. And uh, I remember uh, back when I had COVID and I, I'd been there, um, you know, for, for a while, and then I ended up going to the hospital. I remember it was, it was silly, and I was so thankful uh, that the Holy Spirit in me rose up in that time because if not, I would have let it, um, you know, I would have let it kind of deter me. But I wasn't really worried about the fact necessarily that I was sick. That, that didn't bother me. I, I wasn't sitting there saying, why me, God? I prayed and I've prayed for people. I mean, I prayed for people to, to get healed and they've, they've gotten healed. And of course, I understand that it's not me. I'm just saying, uh, why in the world am, you know, that I, I couldn't, you know, Stay away from this, basically. And, um, you know, I was sitting there, and, and, and I, all of a sudden this thought came to me. 
And it was, it was so slimy, it was so um, arrogant and condescending, it was, it was so um, hurtful and mean that I knew exactly where it came from. It, it, you know, it was like, there's no way, that was my thought, and there's no way that was the Holy Spirit talking to me. But the thought came to me, it says, how in the world are you gonna be a pastor now and have to pray over people and ever think anybody would ever let you pray over them when you couldn't even heal yourself? Wasn't that what he told Jesus? Physician, heal yourself? And the Holy Spirit rose up in me and I said, I said it out loud. I said, I'm not the healer anyway. I'm just a man, Jesus is the healer. And I just said that out and it was like it, it protected my heart because he was trying to get me to make sure that I would never have confidence to reach my hand out ever again and pray for somebody. Well, I'm not the healer, Jesus is the healer, and I didn't come up with that on my own. The word of God says believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm a believer and I'm laying hands. And, and here's the thing, I, I was sick, and there was a lot of people that were sick for a really long time that was as sick as me, and actually the, the nurses couldn't believe I was getting out of there. I got out of there in four days. I didn't spend, you know, a, 15, 20, 30, 60, 70 days in there. I spent four days in there. They couldn't believe I was getting out in that much time. And I know it was because when I was down, you guys were praying for me. And there was all kinds of people praying for me, right? And so if you, if you allow him to tell you stuff like that, it's, it's all trying to get you backed into a place where you're ineffective for the kingdom of God. Amen? Whether it's you feeling depressed and, and, and not wanting to be a part of what God's doing or whether it's uh, you being, uh, you know, feeling like you're, you're, you're so in poverty that, that you don't have, all you can think about is, is finances and how it's not going good for you. That, that's a distraction to keep you from doing what God's called you to do. Or whether it's some kind of sickness that keeps you down where you can't be a part of what God wants you to do. It's, it, all those things are strongholds that, that the enemy is using to attack, and the whole time, he's used Hollywood and he's used ignorant people to, to convince us the devil is wearing horns and a pitchfork and we're looking for the boogeyman. When it's not the boogeyman, it's thoughts in your mind of accusations and half-truths and twisted truths that are keeping you from being who you're called to be in God. All he wants to do is distract you. Because if he can distract you, he's taking you out of the game. You're over there fighting uh, something that you're, you're, you're shadow boxing. You're not, I mean, you think you're doing some good over here, but it's like, no, 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 this is, this is the real fight. This is the real battle right here, amen? So, and we were built to fight. First Timothy 6, 11 through 12 says this, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay a hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession and the presence of many witnesses. So I always kind of like to go back because, I mean, we know that scripture. A lot of, most of us know that scripture. You heard a lot of times. But I always want to see, like, what spurred Paul to, to tell Timothy this? Because this was a, a very pointed statement that Paul told Timothy. So if you go back up in verses three through five, this is what he says. He says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. So 
that's what he told. He was teaching on this. He was teaching Timothy about this. And of course, Timothy is probably one of the first pastors of the church after the apostles uh, established it, and especially Paul and, 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 um, and uh, Peter. But he says that. He's saying if anybody's teaching anything otherwise uh, than what we're teaching you, uh, and, and they don't consent to wholesome words. And even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to the doctrine which is according to godliness. And he says, they're, they're proud people. Uh, they don't know anything. They're obsessed with disputes and arguments. And he goes on that. But then after that, that's when he says, but you, man of God, flee these things. Like, get away from those things. Don't even get tangled up in those things. It doesn't matter. Those things are just distractions. And they're, they're just religious distractions that don't amount to anything. Flee those things and pursue righteousness. Don't get tangled up in those arguments, just pursue righteousness. If we'll pursue righteousness, we won't have time to get tangled up in all these arguments and disputes over what's right and what's wrong and, and, and what do you think about this and what do you think about that. I don't care, I'm pursuing righteousness. I'm pursuing righteousness. Righteousness is the word of God. Because I've, uh, I mean, especially as a pastor, I get drugged into all kinds of conversations about stuff and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know because I don't even try to, figure that stuff out. I'm just pursuing righteousness. I just want to pursue righteousness. Because if you get drug into these, these conversations about uh, what do you think about these things, you don't really want to know what I think about it because I, I'm, I'm trying not to have an opinion. I just want to tell you what the word of God says about that. Amen? But people don't want you to hear the word of God. They want you to agree with the way that they have justified how they're doing what they're doing. And if you don't agree of how they've justified it, then all of a sudden you're the enemy, right? And Paul is telling Timothy, you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many. So I say it like this, don't get caught fighting on the wrong battlefield. Because if you're fighting on the wrong battlefield, you'll lose. You'll lose. It doesn't matter how, how staunch your opinion is, because here's the thing. <laughs> when someone is deceived, they're already guarded, they're already fortified, that stronghold in them, if they won't let the word of God and they won't let God speak into that, they're not gonna listen to you either. It's gonna take some major praying where the Holy Spirit begins to break through that of them. But if you go in there trying to argue your point and your political position and all this different things like that, they're, you're just wasting your breath. You'd be better off just pursuing righteousness. Amen? Because they're not listening to you. And I always like to do this. I always like to disarm people that are like that because I'll just let them talk and I won't argue. And I don't say a word until they, until they trust me and they invite me into that conversation. They say, you're not gonna speak on it? No, I mean, if you, don't, if you wanna argue, I'm not gonna argue. If you wanna talk, I'll talk. And more times than not, I've been able to sit there and talk with people and the next thing you know, their, their heart opens up to that and you're able to get the word of God in there. And all of a sudden, now, you're not caught up in arguments, but you're pursuing righteousness with that person. Amen? Uh, I, I've had two distinct times that I remember that. 
Uh, one guy told me one time, really good guy, he's passed away now, um, but um, he, he had some pretty wayward kids and, and, and I'd really just met him. I hadn't, hadn't been around him long and we were working together and everything and, and um, he said, um, I mean, we we're just talking. I don't even know what we're talking about, but he just said, you know, I just don't believe that anybody's going to hell. And I went, okay. I just kept working. He said, yeah, because I just let him talk. He said, yeah, because, I mean, my kids are pretty bad, you know, and they've, this one's doing this and this one's doing that and I'm not sure about that one and, and everything. And he's like, and, and I'm nowhere near as good as God, um, but I would never send my kids to hell. And I said, you're right. I said, God is much better than us. And I said, and, and you do have some of, the, some of that right. Um, God isn't sending anybody to hell. As a matter of fact, he gave away the most precious thing that he owned to die for them so that you wouldn't go to hell. So I said, if your kids go to hell, God isn't sending them to hell, but they're going if they don't receive Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, because that was God doing everything he could do to get you into heaven. And he looked at me, he goes, I've never thought of it that way. I just thought God was sending people to heaven or sending people to hell. I was like, no. God's not willing that any should perish. You ever read that scripture? His will is that none should perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish. Well, what happened if I'd have just said, well, I think you're wrong? He'd be like, well, I think you're wrong. And then we would have just both been sitting there arguing about who's right and who's wrong. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you and allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to wait for that opportunity, I don't, I don't waste my breath with people that I know they're not gonna receive my words. I'd rather just hug them and, and listen until I know they're gonna receive the word of God, amen? So don't get caught up fighting on the wrong battlefield. Fight the good fight of faith. Too many Christians are away at war on battlefields that they'll never win on. And, and really in the process of that, you know, the, the church suffers when, when, we, when we waste our time doing that. Um, we're built to fight, but only in faith and not in the flesh. Now, I don't mean that I don't, I don't believe in, in military and things like that. I'm, I put that in another category. But as Christians, uh, in, in this respect, what we're talking about here, um, we're, we're, not, we're not built to effectively win fighting in the, in the flesh. Now, you might get lucky, and you might get a lucky punch in, and you might be good, you might be good at it, you might be good with your words, uh, and you might win some arguments. You know, there's some guys on YouTube that I have to... I have to confess that I, that I watch and, and they go on college campuses and, and, and they argue with people of different opinions and it's, it's, it's kind of entertaining. But that's not for me and I think it's kind of a waste of time sometimes uh, because I would much rather spend my time and my efforts um, talking to people with the word of God, telling the truth in, in love and, and not just trying to prove a point um, because what ends up happening is you might you might make a fool of them and you might prove your point and you might be able to bring out evidence and you might have everybody um, ooh and awe at your, at your ability to speak, um, but that person went away um, more, um, more bitter and they didn't go, go away more free. And if Jesus ever spoke to people that were living in darkness, they went away free, not bitter. The people who went away bitter were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people who wanted to argue that they were right and everybody else was wrong. Amen? I'm preaching good. You, you, you know, that's, that's pretty good stuff. That'll help you. So 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, verse nine says, steadfast in the faith. Resist him, 
steadfast in the faith. So that's how we resist the devil. If we're sober and we're vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, we resist him by standing steadfast in the faith. The devil has no faith, and he has no ability to compete with somebody in faith. He does have the ability to argue and win. He does have the ability to convince. He does have the ability to manipulate. He does have the ability to plant thoughts and to have feelings and give you hurts and opinions and bring up stuff and things like that. But the devil does not have faith. That's why the word of God says, fight the good fight of faith. He has no ability to have faith. So the devil has no ability to have faith or to compete with somebody in faith, standing firm on the good confession of salvation by grace through faith. The only way that he can defeat you is to get you into doubt and questioning by getting you in, uh, to focus on feelings, opinions, circumstances, and, and really a lot of times just an outright lie. I mean, there's been times before where um, somebody might have said something to me, and this is back when I was younger. I, I, I try to guard against that now. I really haven't had a, too much of an issue with it. Um, in, in some years, but I remember when I was young that um, somebody might just look at me and say something a certain way and, and on the inside of me, it was like there was a thought, was like, what did they mean by that? I'm like, I don't know what they meant by that, but you know what? The last time I saw them, they kind of had that look on them, you know, I don't know what their problem is with me. And the next thing I know, I've got outright lies on the inside of me about that person. And now when I've seen that person, I'm just like glaring. I'm, I'm gonna tell off on myself, this is, this is a funny story, I just thought about this. There was a guy that I went to school with, and we were in like fifth or sixth grade. I don't know. And you know, sometimes somebody could just have a bad day in grade school, and next thing you know, you're fighting. I mean, like you ain't, you've never thought about that person. So anyway, this guy was tall and lanky, and, 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 and you know, he, he just, whatever. And, and we weren't friends to begin with, but we didn't, we didn't really hang out either, so it wasn't like we're enemies. I don't know what happened, but we rubbed each other the wrong way one day. And I bet you... For three weeks, we'd see each other on the playground just glare. <laughs> so one day, there's the playground's out here, and there was this breezeway, and there were, there were the metal poles, like the four-by-four four metal, metal poles holding up the, the deal. And he's walking down the playground, and I'm thinking, today's the day. We're, we're doing it today. I'm going to catch him, and we're doing it today. And I'm, I'm looking at him. He's out in the playground, and we're walking side by side, and we're just looking like that just glaring, and I'm walking faster than this. And about the time I thought, I wonder where that next pole is. Bam! Laid myself out, he's laughing. Now I can't fight him. I just have to tuck my tail and run. But that's exactly what, I mean, I had begun to think this guy's my mortal enemy, and, and he had done nothing to me, and I had done nothing to him. Satan will, 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 will rub your nose with another person, especially believers. Why? Because he loves discord in any fashion. He loves discord in your home. He loves discord in your job place. He loves discord in your church. He loves discord at the school. He just wants, he loves discord at the ballpark. He's, he, that's his favorite place. I mean, we rub each other's noses together for him out there. He just wants people fighting and not liking each other, right? And so he'll just use outright, outright lies. But you have to understand that he is a defeated foe. And any power that he has over us as believers is power that we're giving him and we're allowing him. And so if you look at kind of war tactics 101, it's to understand your adversary. It's most importantly that you gotta understand your opponent's history and their weaknesses. 
So if you're gonna understand your opponent's history and their weaknesses, then, then you can understand really how to more effectively defeat them. And a lot of times we don't think about this kind of stuff. We just think, oh man, I just, I just hope the devil leaves me alone. Well, well, you can hope all you want. He's never gonna leave you alone. But you can get better at understanding how he attacks and you can better fortify yourself from his attacks by, by making sure that we understand that we don't fl fight against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of those strongholds of those thoughts. But Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 2 um, that they needed to be quick to forgive. So we gotta understand how our enemy works. So Paul's telling them you need to be quick to forgive and not hold anything against anyone because it's the door for Satan to take advantage really of the church, of you and the church. Verse 11 says this, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Most of the time, we don't care to learn truly how Satan works and therefore we're ignorant of his devices, and Paul didn't want the church to be ignorant of his devices, so he's telling them some things. This is how he operates. First of all, if you don't forgive people, you are, you are opening a door uh, for, for him to take advantage of us, not just you, but take advantage of us. We cannot be ignorant of the way that he operates, but fully aware of how he works. Luke 10, 17 through 20 says this. Then the 70, of course, we, we read this scripture uh, last Sunday. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Jesus replied to him and said, oh, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, I'll just, I'll glaze over this real quick, but when he talks about trampling over, over serpents and scorpions, he's not really talking about natural serpents and scorpions, although that could be in there. Uh, but really, when you, when you see that in the Bible, that he's talking about demons and, and, and evil spirits and things like that. So he says, he says listen, they're all excited about it, and, and, I, and I won't belabor this because you can go back and listen to Sunday. We, I kind of expounded on this a little bit like then. But they come back, and they're just excited because they've, they've watched Jesus do these things, but now they're doing these things uh, in his name. And, and he says, they, he said, they're all excited. And they said, listen, we, we cast out demons and they were subject to us in your name. And Jesus, I, I feel like he was real nonchalant about it. He was like, well, I saw Satan fall like lightning, meaning I've seen his true colors. He doesn't scare me. He doesn't worry me. I, I, I've watched him literally be thumped out of heaven and fall to the earth like lightning. He's, he's nothing. He, he, he is the scum of the earth. My, my father commanded him that he would eat the dust of the earth every day of his life after that. Um, I'm not worried about him. I'm not scared of him. And, and you guys have been uh, worried about him. You guys have been scared of him, but, but I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. And he says, listen, I give you authority to trample over him. I give you authority to trample over all of his demons, over all the evil spirits, over, over any uh, uh, power that is not of God. And, and then he goes on, he says, and, and, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hurt you. So Jesus fully understands who Satan is and also who he was and what his weaknesses are. He understands fully. And he also expects us to be victorious over him. So Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 says this. Which time do I got? Maybe a little bit. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. I'm just gonna kind of give you several scriptures 
if you want to write them down. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, right? We're the children of God, and we have partake, taken of Jesus' flesh and blood. That's when we take communion. That's a, that's a, um, a natural um, you know, picture of what happened spiritually, that we partook of his flesh and blood. It says, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear, and de- uh, fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. And he says, so since we partook of it, Jesus, part, uh, Jesus was, was, was stripped and he was beaten and, and flesh and blood f- uh, flowed. And so he, so he partook in that. And the, the reason why he did that is so that he could render him powerless who once had the power of death. And he says that is the devil and that he would free those who basically would, would, would uh, partake in that also. So Colossians 1.13, this is another one. For he rescued us from the dom- domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. You've been rescued from the domain of darkness. You've been freed from the domain of darkness. So if, if darkness tries to overtake you, tries to talk you in, really it can't overtake you, but it can talk you into going that, into that place. And you have to understand, no, I've been rescued from that. I've been freed from that. Uh, Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Just gonna give you these real quick and then we'll close. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against you, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, watch this, having, so all this is past tense, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And of course, we, we know that, that part of that scripture, but what you, have to, what you have to understand and know is every time the enemy comes to you with these words that make him, and these thoughts and these actions that make him, make you feel as if this is something I have to submit to, that something is gonna happen to me or, or I just can't um, overcome this temptation or anything like that. You have to understand and know you're talking to someone who has already been defeated. And he's just trying to see if he can bluff you into a place where he can, where he can get a stronghold back in your life. The greatest argument to have against the devil is to fight the good fight of faith by declaring who you are in Christ. I mean, that's the absolute best. No, no, you're not gonna talk me into that. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Everything's become new. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the beloved in Christ Jesus. All those in Christ scriptures, if you, that's the best way to, by the time you get done quoting scripture, he doesn't wanna hear that much scripture, so he's just gonna walk on. Isn't that what Jesus did? Every time Satan would come to him with a temptation, wouldn't Jesus come right back with the scripture? He'd come right back with the scripture. And then finally, after the third time, he said, get out of here. And he had to flee, right? Because he resisted him. It's, it's no different for you. He can't argue when you're firm and who the word says you are in Christ. He can't argue with that. You've got to combat the lies with absolute truth. Um, and you can go back and read this. We read most of this um, Sunday. Ephesians 1, 17 through 22. Most of you guys know it. But really, um, going down to that, 
uh, verse, um, let's see, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So if all things, if we're the body of Christ and he's the head, then if all things are under his feet, then all things are under our feet because his feet are our feet, right? Uh, because we're the church, we're his body, he's the head. And so we've, we've, we're, we're above, like I was saying uh, Sunday, we're the top of the food chain spiritually now. We're not below. We're not the, um, the ones that need to be worried about being prey or anything like that. No, we're the top of the food chain. We're, we're not the hunted anymore. We're the hunter. And um, you've got to switch your mentality and begin to read the word of God that way uh, so that you, you don't walk around fearful of what the devil could do or might do or might suggest or what uh, things might take over your life because if you, if you, if you meditate and, and contemplate on those things, then eventually your thought life is gonna go that way and then as your thought life goes that way, it's gonna manifest in your life because that's how that works and that's why it always bothers me um, when I see a Christian that is doing really, really good and maybe came out of a lifestyle um, and they're doing really good and, and everything's going great. It always bothers me when I start hearing them tell a lot of stories about the good old days. You know, well, if they were so good, why did you need rescuing out of them? You know what I mean? But the devil begins to remind you of the good parts of the times you were without him. And, and I've seen it more times than I would like to, to, to have admitted uh, to good people. Um, but they start reminiscing about that and the enemy begins to, um, you know, make that look like it was something to be missed. And the next thing you know, they start talking about it. And then after they start talking about it, they start joking about it and then they start smiling about it and then they start acting on it. And, they, and, and if it's not controlled, it'll, they'll be right back to where they were. It's unfortunate and sad. Um, we need to not just mentally understand that Satan is a defeated foe but also spiritually understand and pick up the weapons of our warfare and fight accordingly. Uh, we need a, I think we need a church that, that really understands how to fight again. And I'm not just talking about our church, but just a, a church globally. And, um, and that not just knows how to fight again, but knows how to fight right, has, how to fight the good fight of faith. And, and when you're fighting the good fight of faith, you're not arguing with the ideas of the world. Um, you are bringing the gospel to lost and hurting people. And that's different. Um, you know, we, when we were in Mexico, I, I kind of learned some things there um, when we were at the train station because I could have went in there and I could have brought a political stance or a, an idea of, of what I think about certain things. And I could have uh, ha taken that opinion to, or that time to, uh, to voice my opinion uh, straight at the source, so to speak. Um, and, I, and I really, to be honest with you, I didn't know where to start because for one, there's a language barrier there, but I didn't, and, and um, Pastor Jeff like had just the most, she's been doing it, but the most wise words, because I didn't say I didn't know where to start, but I guess he knew, or maybe the Lord told him, he said, he said all you need to do is go ask them to tell, tell you their story, and then just ask to pray for them. And that, that taught me something that I'd, I'd never known before, because you know most of the time, you're so fixated on trying to get somebody saved or, or, or what have you that you're, you just kind of cut to that point without even 
trying to get to know them or anything like that. And so when we would sit down with those, those people, um, really immigrants and, and, and displaced people, um, you know, the first thing we just asked, like we'd ask the men to, you know, we're sitting there with four or five guys like, hey, what's your story? What, uh, tell me about your, your, about your life. And as they're sitting there telling you these horrific things, you know, just about, you know, just months prior, they were, they were business owners, they had homes, they had cars, they had lives, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're displaced and they're just, they're just trying to get to somewhere where their family can be safe and they can make a living again. And, um, you know, and, and they're crying and, and sobbing and telling stories about, you know, um, you know what they've experienced and the, the, the meanness that they've experienced and the hatred. And, you know, and you get a chance to pray with them and then, you know, they see your heart towards that and then they, they want to know Christ because you're telling them about Christ in that story. And so, you know, I think that's where the church has got to get back to if the church is gonna be um, a powerful force in America or in the world again, is that we, our heart really has to be, um, you know, to, um, to allow God to use us to open somebody's heart to get the gospel in their heart. And that's the, that's the bottom line. That's the only thing, that's the only thing we care about. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the only thing that matters, you know. It's not about uh, trying to, to win worldly arguments with them. I, I, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even care. I just wanna pursue righteousness with you. Will you help me pursue righteousness with you? I can, that, that's all that matters to me. I don't, I don't care about all this other stuff. And I think we've just, we've, we've been sucked into a lot of stuff that doesn't, that, that doesn't matter. And um, we need to get back to, to what we're, we're supposed to do as the church, which is uh, loving God and loving people enough to speak the, the truth of the word of God to them in a way that, they receive it and, and not reject it. Now, if they do receive it, that, that is on them, but if we know we're doing our, our very best to, uh, to love people and, and to really care for people, uh, then I believe that we're gonna have more success than failure. Amen. I wanna thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.